Praise God. Wonderful. Can I ask a favor? I hate to do this to you folks sitting over here. Can you come over here for me? Just, just for, just for sake of, I don't want to, I don't want to lose your line of sight, and uh, I don't want you to feel left out. I appreciate it. I, 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 uh, I love you over there as well. Honestly, what I should do is I should ask all of you folks to get off your sorry behinds and move over here, but, um, but I'm going for the path of least, least resistance. I think. Well, good morning. How are we this morning? Good, good. Amen. It's good to see you all. Happy uh, Christmas. Uh, my boss is British, so I got to say Happy Christmas. Why do they say that in, in England? I never understood that. It's Happy Christmas in England. But anyway, Happy Christmas to you, uh, and uh, and also Happy New Year. Uh, we're coming up on that day. Um, and David shared that this is kind of the in-between week, and I'm glad you have an in-between week. It means I get to come see you all. Uh, I think this is the third year in a row I've gotten to come see you on the in-between week, so I, I am truly blessed to be here. Uh, for those who don't know me, I'm John. Uh, I got a wife, Sarah, uh, 15 years actually, just a few days ago, which is pretty exciting for us. Uh, and she just turned 40. Don't tell her I told you that, but I did. <laughs> I'm married. I'm, no, no, 40. She definitely turned 40. Yeah, I'm making her own it. It's good. Uh, and I'm not there yet, so I'm just going to keep rubbing that in. So, uh, so it's her fault for not coming this morning. So, uh, um, but uh, we also have three lovely children, my son who just turned 10. Uh, Christopher and Nathan, who's just turned, who was seven uh, this last year, and little Emma, who is three years old, if you can believe it. She'll be four here in March, and she's very excited because when she turns four, she can take dance classes, so that's pretty exciting. So, uh, And we've been attending Harrisburg First uh, Church of the Brethren, so I bring greetings from the Harrisburg First congregation. I told the first traditional, uh, I love traditional and, and contemporary, uh, the traditional service, I told them that uh, it would be a little weird for Emma to be here, and it's sometimes weird for her to be at Brethren Churches. Uh, because we've been attending Harrisburg First, and in Harrisburg First, she has learned to dance during all the music. So, uh, so she would have been up and dancing, and uh, you would have seen her pirouetting around. Um, so, uh, so we saved that that uh, little bit. But um, I bring greetings from my family as well. So, uh, I just want to give you a quick uh, introduction to myself. We'll pray, and then we'll get started on scripture. Because it's a small group here, I'm going to be rather casual. If you're okay with that, um, so I may follow these, and I may not. If you came to the first service, you hopefully will get a, a, not a reboot, but we'll get something fresh because the Spirit moves in each, each moment uh, as He wills. So we, we pray that that happens. Um, I live here uh, in Hershey. I actually uh, live in Union Deposit, and uh, we've been there for all 15 years of our marriage. Um, and uh, so it's, it's good to be neighbors and to hang out with you folks. Um, and right now I'm, I'm, I'm working as a, uh, a, a manager of engineers. I wasn't a very good engineer, so they made me the manager, uh, and so, uh, so I, l I oversee uh, an industrial engineering department. We make elevators, uh, not the green kind. I, I tell David, I said, in this area, I've got to correct. Every time I say that, some farmer comes, oh, you make green elevators. No, no, these are the kind that move people, so I, I work for Schindler Elevator, uh, and we move, uh, I think they said we move over a billion people every day is the, is the statement from, from Schindler, so uh, we, we do a lot of people movement. Um, and it's a big company, it's a lot of fun, I get a lot of travel, I work with people in China and Brazil and Switzerland and uh, all kinds of different places, and so it's, it's neat to see uh, all that. Um, so, I bring you that. And this morning, I want to think about or look into uh, what it means to, uh, to, to, to what, it, what it means to put on. Um, this morning, you all got, wait, let me check. Yes, you all got dressed. Good. I'm glad. Uh, I just want to make sure I didn't embarrass somebody. You all got dressed this morning. You got up. You put something on. There was some reason you put that something on. 
Why don't you think about that? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the time that we can have in your presence. Thank you for the word that you bring to us. Thank you for uh, the, the, the warmth of this place, both, both as it's a physical space, but also the warmth of your body as it gathers here. Lord, may your kingdom be known in this time. And Lord, may your word be, 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 be proclaimed. And Lord, for all those things that you desire for us to remember, may they just deeply uh, embody uh, within who we are. And Lord, for all the things that we that, that are not of you, let's, let's just quickly forget them, um, so that, Lord, we might be uh, more conformed to your likeness in this time. Thank you for your spirit as it moves among us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So you all got up this morning, and you had to make some tough decisions. No? Whether, whether to, well, you didn't get up this morning yet, maybe. I don't know. Hey, so... I said there's a couple reasons, and, I, and you, you beat me to the punch, because uh, in the first service, I, had, I, I, I mentioned the smell test, that a lot of us just to, to decide what to wear that morning, you get it, right? So you get the smell test, and, and every, in every, every, every group, there's one, right? You pick it up, yep, that will work today, praise the Lord. Um, you decided whether you needed to brush your teeth, you decided whether you needed to put on other things, deodorant, right? Yeah, amen, hallelujah. You did, you did, and maybe you forgot, but you decided a bunch of things, right? And this morning, I did the same thing. So I got up. I actually was uh, going to stay. So my wife's at a family reunion back at Camp Sotara, which is a wonderful place. And I was going to stay last night, but when I got there, I had my bag in hand. I had all my goodies. And I looked down. And I said, shoot, I don't have a towel, which means I won't be able to take a shower in the morning. And I'm going to stink when I go to Harrisburg first, or Harrisburg first, to, her, to, to, to Spring Creek this morning. And I said, well, I need to, I need to go home. So I spent last night so I could actually come in showered and clean and, and fairly presentable. And when I got up, I thought, well, what am I going to wear? And I thought, okay, Spring Creek. I, I've been there before. Uh, the first service is a traditional service, so I need a coat then. I've got I to gotta make sure I look right for them. But the second service is a contemporary service, so, so I've got to be able to strip down in the case that, uh, that, that I don't fit in, right? I've got to be able to be hip. I, I, I can't do hip very well, guys. I'm sorry. I don't do hip well. <laughs> Yeah, I'll let you argue that out with them later. But I, but I put on my nice shoes. See, I put on my nice shoes. These are, these are fa my fancy shoes. And, and I realized that there was a lot of things going through my mind about what I'm going to present myself as. And if we're honest with ourselves, I mean, let's, let's take a moment. If we're, I mean, I, I often say in our culture, we're, we're not very self-reflective. You know what that means? I, I'm not very good at actually thinking about what I'm thinking about, right? I, I get... So I want to take a moment and just think about what you're thinking about. When you wake up in the morning and you've got to pick out something to wear, what do you consider? Anybody? Say again. Color? Temperature? Comfort? What? Who else is going to be there, right? Right? What's the season? The smell? Yeah, amen. Amen. Smell? Yeah. Yeah, right, right. And sometimes, <laughs> exactly, and sometimes you don't realize that until you get there and realize, wow, this is not a conventional color coordination that I've got on here, right? I've done that. So, I mean, one thing I was thinking about, you know, in, in the first, I said, i got to look good for traditional service, but this is the contemporary service, so I can take this off, right? That's not a problem. You guys don't care. They actually let me do it in the first service, praise the Lord. I was, I was happy for that. No one has actually turned me down for taking a coat off because I think we as Christians have made it bad to wear good, good nice, you know, if, if you, you have to be able to come as you are, right, no matter who you are, so that's okay. I, this service, I can probably take this off too, right? You guys don't mind? You're okay with that? You're okay? You're all right with that? Yeah, let's see. That's, that's probably okay. 
Um, you know, I did say I put on these fancy shoes to look hip. Um, I don't think it's working though. So if you don't mind, I'm gonna take yeah, I'm gonna take those off too. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm sure between you and I, we'll work it out all right. It'll be okay. It'll be it'll be fantastic. All right. So are you guys still okay with that? You're still okay, you're okay with that? All right. Uh, how about this? I mean, I I this is my favorite shirt, and I don't want to have to iron it again. Are you guys okay if I take my favorite shirt off? You okay? Yeah. At some point, we cross some boundaries, don't we? Yeah, that would be that would be really bad. That was that that was like that nightmare I had last night about you guys. Just to be honest with you. You see, there, there's convention, right? There's reasons that we do what we do, and 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 the way that we present ourselves is vitally Im, is vitally important in a lot of ways, right? If I would come in here and I was not dressed properly, I think you all would have questioned whether I knew what I was talking about, right? I mean, let's just be honest. And I think in the same way. There are lots of things, lots of images, lots of what we call masks that we place in order to, to appease or appeal to the world in which we live. You guys know that. You wake up in the morning and you think, okay, who, what, and I always ask myself, what John am I going to be today? Right? I mean, which, which one do I want to present myself as? And, you know, and I, I don't want to say this morning that that's not important because it is, right? It is. It's important to recognize those around you and how, and how you engage them. But this morning, what I want to look at is this passage that, that Paul gives us here that talks of so much about who we are. You, so we are after Christmas. Does it feel like you're after Christmas? Are you feeling the after Christmas blues yet? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I noticed your tree is, is, is not lit. I'm sure at one time there was some lights on that thing. Uh, were there ornaments on there? No, it was always just a plain tree. Okay, all right. But... But some, but some things we just kind of move on, right? And, and, and in, our mi- in my mind, Christmas is over, right? Next week, I'm guessing a lot of this stuff is going to be down. A lot of the stuff at home, New Year's Day, we have to take our Christmas tree down because it's the only day I have off and can actually do it. Uh, so we take our Christmas tree down on Christmas Day. We put it up on Black Friday. We take it down on, on I'm married to type A personality. Um, but th- there's, there's all these things. But the reality is, if you guys know, if you're following your church calendars, how many of you follow your church calendar? I don't know. Do you? Somewhat? You got some, li- some liturgical uh, followers? I see you don't, you don't follow the liturgy here in the, in, the, in, the, in the bulletin or in the sermons, but some of you may follow the lit- liturgical calendar. Uh, you're, we're already in, well into the new year. Uh, the new year always starts on Christ the King Sunday, which is right before this last season of, do you know what the season was? Advent. Good, good. You guys got it. Way to go. Advent. The last time I looked at people just stared at me like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's Advent. Right? And right now is just, is just the start of Christmas. It just kicks off now. Right? So Christmas Day is the kickoff to Christmas. This is the first Sunday of Christmas time. So Merry Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Happy Christmas. Well done. Well, happy Christmas. And, you know, the funny thing is, all this stuff is mixing in my mind to think about, you know, Christmas is over, so, you know, how, what do we do with that, and how do, we, and how do we manage that? And for me, it's been very helpful to shift my mindset a little bit. And I think the challenge, this is the liturgy reading for this week, actually. This is the second reading in the liturgy uh, for this week, uh, the Revised Common Lectionary. And wh- the, the neat part about this scripture is it talks about who are we going to be you see, and this is what Christmas is about, right? It's not, it's not about what was and what is already done. It's what, it's what has been done so that we can be, right? It's what, it's what has been done so that we will, right? 
it's, it's, not, it's not a thing that happened and then happened and then we're done with it and, it, and it's solved. Similarly, our faith is not something that we uh, come to and suddenly have and then what? See, and this morning we're going to talk a lot about what we move into. What are we created to be? And Paul comes in this book of Colossians, and Colossians is one of my favorite books of the Bible, and I, I say I've, I've always got this, this ism wherever I preach, whatever I'm preaching on. My wife tells me that the pie I'm eating is my favorite pie. Um, and, and, and I think I have that with Scripture sometimes. But Colossians really is this amazing book because it starts out with this amazing message. Excuse me? In Colossians 1, Right? If you have your Bibles, do you have them? You have got some Bibles here? I'll read it to you if you don't have them in front of you. But uh, Colossians 1, I want to read to you verses 28 and 29. And this is, this is why Paul is doing what he's doing. And I think it's always important to remember the whys, right? We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his, meaning the Spirit's energy, which so powerfully works in me. Let me say that again. We proclaim him, right? We proclaimed him this morning, yes? We proclaim Jesus as Christ. When he comes to Matthew, in the book of Matthew, he says to the disciples, particularly Peter, who do you say that I am, right? And Peter comes back and says what? Eventually, you are the Christ. And what does Jesus say? On that proclamation, I build my church. Right? On that proclamation, I build my church. And so, so we have this, this moment. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with wisdom. Admonishing. We don't admonish very well. Right? I don't, we don't admonish very well. We don't, we don't hold one another accountable, but that's what it means, right? To hold one another accountable to him. Admonishing and teaching everyone. Teaching, right? I try to teach. You guys did some teaching this morning. We went through a whole, there was a, there was a, a series of songs that brought to us different theological ideas and ways of thinking about Jesus and about ourselves, right? Teaching. Some of you can't went to the, to the Bible study time. Um, again, this is Colossians 1, 28 so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. So that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Now, how many of you feel a little uncomfortable with that? Yeah. Perfection's an uncomfortable word, isn't it? Every morning when I wake up, I think about what I want to present, and as soon as I get to work, I realize that something was missed. Right? I didn't brush my teeth, maybe. <laughs> Did you ever do that? You say, shoot, I didn't brush my teeth. Or my tie's not quite straight, right? Or uh, I forget my belt a lot of times. I think it's because I look down and I can't see it anymore. That's the problem. I, if, I, if I had a better view to my belt, I think I'd remember it more often, right? But there's, oh, there's, there's this challenge of perfection. You see, Paul's invitation to us is to live perfect lives in Christ. He says back earlier in, in Colossians 1, 21, 22, the whole mess there about who Christ is. And he says, Christ is this so that we might live free from accusation, free from blemish. You see, God sees you. I want to just share this with you. God sees you as exactly as he had created you to be. Like right now, God sees you exactly as he's created you to be. Does that scare anybody? See, so for all the effort of getting up this morning and putting on my favorite shirt and getting on the right pants and remembering my belt, praise the Lord, God sees me as he's created me to be. 
Now, what happens? Why, why, why is, why is, what's, what's the struggle here? What's, what's the conflict within me? I have a conflict within me as I think about this. If God has created me, or if God sees me just as he created me to be, why do I, why do I have struggle in my life? You know, this is the great question. This is the great question of millennials, who I am one of, by the way. My wife's not, I am. Remember that. Yeah, I'm being mean to her. This is the question, right? If God is all-powerful and God is all-knowing and God is all-loving, how come bad things happen? Right? It's, the, it, it's, a, it's a quandary that's been, that's been debated since, since the Middle, middle Ages. Right? And different, I, I, we all have an answer for it, right? Or else we wouldn't be here. Right? You have an answer for it. But, but in my mind, there's a great question there. If God sees me as perfect, as he's created me to be, if I truly am free from my sins, if I truly am restored and renewed, as Paul tells us in Corinthians, right? all things are new for those who are in Christ Jesus, if, I am all the, if all those things are true, then why do I still not quite know that? And why, when I get up, do I still feel like I need to present myself in a certain way? How many of you, to be honest, came to church and presented yourself differently this morning than you will at work tomorrow? Yeah, it's okay. You don't have to admit it. I know it's true, right? Because it's one of those universal truths, isn't it? We, we, we adapt ourselves and conform ourselves to the place where we are. So Paul comes into this great, this, great, this great paradox. You understand the paradox I'm coming with? Is that Christ has come and made us new. We, we proclaim it every Sunday. You come and you sing your songs, right? And they're beautiful songs, and you feel good about yourself when you walk out. But as soon as you go back, back into the world, suddenly you realize, I have to somehow re-image myself. I have to reform or reshape myself. So there's this great story that, um, that was written uh, in 18, 1837 by Hans Christian Andersen, um, The Emperor's New Clothes. You guys, you guys, you guys know the story? It's, it's a pretty common story. Uh, and and right, right, it's, it's kind of funny. I didn't say this in the first group, but I'll say this to this group. Um, th- this story is often used as, as ways of proving that you're right, <laughs> that you're the little child at the end of the story who says, oh, the emperor's got no clothes. Can't you all see it? You're all idiots. Right? But here's the way the story goes. So uh, along uh, comes this emperor, and, and this emperor loves looking good. Right, this emperor, you know, culturally, this this emperor, I can I can see this emperor in a lot of people, right? That there's a there's a certain image, there's a certain way of being, there's a certain personification that that he wants to em- embody, right, or, or or to present, right? And we live in a world that's very much set up in this kind of way. They, there's there's this, there's this need or desire or importance of presenting yourself in a certain way at a certain time to a certain set of people, right? And now you're on film all the time, right? I mean you. People are captured on YouTube. People are captured on, on, on video cameras. You have security cameras wherever you are. You, everybody's computer now has a video camera right in front of it. You know, we're, always, we're always on film. We're always in front of something. We're always presenting ourselves in a certain way. And so there's this uh, raised need within our culture to, to always be presentable, to always be, you know, to always be uh, public, Right? And so we live in this very public world. And so it's, we're a bit like, I think, a bit like the emperor, right? So we, we have to hold ourselves in a certain way. I've got to go to work and meet certain expectations. I've got to go be at home. I've got to meet certain expectations with my spouse and with my kids, right? I've got certain expectations to meet uh, as I go out to, to, to Lowe's and, and Walmart and, you know, the local stores. And I've got, I've got certain, a certain uh, perception that I need to have. And maybe it's even worse at church, right? Maybe it's even worse at church. 
And there's certain expectations and, 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 and realities that I have to fit into. And so the emperor does this. He, he, he wears multiple sets of clothes every day. He goes out and he spends all his money on how he looks. And along come these two swindlers. And they say, hey, you know what? I can give you something that no one else has. And, of course, the emperor is all excited about this. He says, I can give you a set of clothes that, 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 are, that are special in two ways. And, and it, here's what it is. You can't see these clothes if two things, if one of two things are true. Either you're not good at who you at, at what you're doing, meaning you're not you're not you're not uh, you're not fit for the position that you're in, or you're just plain stupid. Anyone who's not stupid or or in the right position that they're supposed to be in can see the clothes. These are the two rules that the swindlers that the swindlers come, and so. The king's all excited, or the emperor's all excited. He sends them off to start doing this loom, and of course, they don't have anything, right? They, they're, they're collecting all the finest silk and all the finest gold in the, in the, in the empire, but they're, they're, they're spinning nothing, right? And, and the king says, well, I've got to see, or the emperor says, I've got to make sure this is right. He sends off his, his ministers. And the ministers come, and they look, and they, say, they see nothing. And they've bought into the lie of the swindlers, right? And what's the lie of the swindlers? If you can't see it, what's true of you? Yes, yeah, or both, yes. You're either, you're either just plain stupid or you're not fit in the right position in the world. And I started thinking about this, and I was like, holy cow. Like, you ever have one of those moments where you're like, wow, like somebody really gives, a, gives a, an image to something that you've thought for a long time but couldn't pull together? What, what Anderson is saying here is that there's, there's these two pools, Right? Am I plugged into the right outlet at Socket is the way I, I phrased it this morning. Am I in the right position? Am I doing the right thing? Am I fitting the right role? Am I accomplishing the right task? And more than that, am I generally seen as competent? So there's two ways of thinking about that. The first one is, am I doing the right things? And the second one, which is much more critical, I think, is do I have any value? Not in what I do, but in who I am. And if I think about this, this sort of plastic world that we're living in, this, this need to always be presentable and presenting in a certain way, and again, I'm not saying that that's wrong, but just understand that, that there's two driving forces within that. The number one is, am I doing the right thing? How many of you have been in a job for a long time and start to say, hey, is this the right job for me? Am I doing the right thing? How many of you have ever worked in teen ministry? You work in teen ministry, and every kid is like, oh, am I going to do the right thing? Am I going to the right college? I'm going to make a decision at, how old are you? 18. Okay, perfect. I'm gonna, it's okay if I point out. Okay, I'm going to make a decision at 18, and it's going to affect the rest of my life, right? Nothing will ever be the same, right? Am I going to marry the right person, right? <laughs> still, still yet to be decided, I think, up here. <laughs> that's, that's why, no, no, I'm not even... Lord, help me. <laughs> Am I going to marry the right person? Do I have the right friends? I should have you guys move over here too, but that would have been awkward, but I'll keep looking over there for you. And do, I, do I have the right friends? Am I doing the right thing? Do I, I have the right vocation? Am I following the right calling? She had to hold his hand now because she just wants to make sure. It's okay, honey. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, Lordy. <laughs> Am I doing the right? Am, am, am I doing what I should be doing? And here's 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 how this plays out in my Christian life. How many of you read the Bible enough? 
How many of you pray enough? Here, here's, here's the interesting thing. How long does the Bible say we're supposed to read it? What does Paul say when he says pray without ceasing? Does he really mean pray without ceasing? But you see, it's interesting. The construct, when I ask you, do you pray enough, was really the construct of saying, do, am I on my knees? Oh, okay, I'm going to take it a little bit. But am I on my knees with my hands folded and no one else is around me and I'm in my closet and my eyes are closed and everything, right? We had a construct of prayer. And when I asked you, did you pray enough, right? Paul says pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Right? And, and how do we live in those constructs? Hang on one second, okay? So how do we live in those constructs? And the same thing with, with, with Bible study, right? How much is enough reading of Bible? How much is digging deep enough? How many of you know ancient Greek? I can guarantee none of you do because it's no longer a spoken language and no one can say it. There's still words in the Hebrew we don't know. Yeah, there's still, that, that's, there's still stuff in the Hebrew that we, that we don't know. And, and still we gauge ourselves on this and we measure ourselves on this and we think of our holiness in terms of these phrasings, th these realities. Am I doing the right things or am I the right person? It comes in four different ways. It comes in, a, in, a, in an outward image, right? What do you think of me? I, I don't even want to know what you guys are thinking. Actually, I do. I, you know, when I'm standing up here, I really do wonder, what do you guys think of me when you walk out of here? Because everybody's going to say, thank you, that was a good sermon. I have yet, and I'll say, and if you guys want to, today is the day. This is your one opportunity. I have never had anyone come up and say, that was the worst sermon I have ever heard. You need to retool that one. You know, we're not honest, are we? I mean, let's just be honest. I was asleep for three quarters of it. Uh, the, the quarter I heard was kind of okay, but I don't know where you went with it. And the imagery was, was kind of rubbish. You, you, you okay? Right? I've never heard that. Why? Because... You don't want me to feel bad about myself. Now, over, over pot roast, I'm sure you say some fun things about me. Actually, you probably don't even care that much to say fun things about me. But this is the, this is the quandary, right? I, there's an outward desire. I want you to see me in an appealing way. And so I want to follow those things which you think are going to be appealing. I want to wear a nice shirt. I want to wear, wear pants, right? Right? If I came without pants, that would not, you would not see me in the right way. If I smell bad. If maybe I had to walk here because I don't have a car. You get where I'm going with this, right? You see, I have the ability to come to you and impress you with who I am. But there are outward pressures that, that, that separate us from others. It keeps us distant, it keeps us separate, it keeps us divided, because it defines us in these, these little, little bits. Am I in the right place? Do you think I'm bringing value to you standing up here today? Do I think you're bringing any value sitting there today? You see what I mean? There's, there's these interchanges and these, these exchanges. There's also some inward voices. How many of you have inward voices? I have at least seven I've counted. I haven't let them out yet, but I'm not sure. They may, depending on how the three kids work out, they might, they might just start coming out. We have these inward voices that are telling us, am I in the right place? Do you have that voice? 
you're not really good at what you're doing. I was not a very good trumpet player. My inward voice and my outward teacher told me. <laughs> I, I'm not very good at my job. Maybe my boss is worried he's going to fire me. Maybe I should be a pastor instead of an engineer. Maybe that was the wrong move. Right? We get doubts of ourselves. Maybe I made the wrong choice of marriage or college. There have been times in my marriage when I thought, did I marry the wrong woman? And every day she has to convince herself that she married the right man. I'm sure of it. But we have to do this. You know what I mean? It's these inward voices. And then what's worse, and for us who, who suffer with depression, there's also this voice that says, you're not really worth anything. The world will be better without you. And even people who don't suffer with depression, I think we have those moments, don't we? Like, this would all be better if I just wasn't here. I'm a burden to my spouse, my kids, the world around me. There's also outside pressures. You have to conform to the cool and the fashionable and the right and the unique. Now, it's funny because we like to think of that in a certain characterization, right? There's this cool, but let's be honest, we all have our groups, right? And each of our groups have certain rules for what it means to belong, right? There's certain rules about what you wear to come to Spring Creek, regardless, okay? You might, you might not see it, but let's be honest. There are things that if I came in wearing, I would get some odd looks. Let's, I mean, just, just, just to be fully blunt, if I came in bald and fully tattooed, some people would look at me strange, right? And some of you might try to overcome that strangeness, right, by being overly friendly or friendly, right? We would try to... We would try to ease that strangeness, but there's definitely, there would definitely be an oddity there. And it's, and it's okay, but, but, but there's outward pressures to conform to the space that you're in. And you're at work, you have to look a certain way. You just have to. Depending on what job you're doing, there are certain things that you have to wear. The children's story would have been, are you a doctor? What does a doctor wear? Right? Are you a policeman? What does a policeman wear? Right? And all these things have certain constructs and pressures. And so we have to conform to the cool. And then, and then even more than that, we have to conform to what, you, what we think you want me to be. In the story of the, of the, of the, uh, the emperor, th th there's this idea that no one wants to believe that anyone else thinks they're stupid or not fit for their job. And so that's what holds up the lie, right, is that, that no, one wants to, no one wants to shake that boat because the reality is it's going to come tumbling down on me and it's gonna, it's gonna, they're going to know that I really am stupid and not fit for my job. Right? And this all collides, this outward image, this inward voice, these outward pressures, all these things, as I said, collides into this very basic and fundamental need of am I valuable? Do you love me? You know what I mean? All this stuff comes crashing together. Do you love me? Do I adequately contribute to your betterment? Paul comes into this space, and he, he speaks into this lie. You see, fundamentally, the lie is, no, you are not loved, and you have to earn it. Fundamentally, the lie is, no, you don't contribute you have to work harder. And these are the two fundamental and basic lies that Paul comes into and blows up in, 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 in the book of Colossians. He 
close these two things up. How many of you have lived in these two lies? Right? Thank you. Yeah, no, I think everybody else is just, just, just mulling it over. We all know it's there. Am I doing enough? And am I the right person? Am I Christian enough? Do I sing my praise songs loud enough? Do I pray enough? Do I read enough? Do I sit at the right seat? Do I welcome visitors enough? Do I do enough? How many committees does Spring Creek have? Do we have enough committees to be a holy church? Are we active enough? Were there enough people there on January, uh, December, yeah, January, whatever, December 30th to be a vibrant church? I preached at a church a few weeks ago, and it had six people. Six people. When you stand in front of a church of six people, first off you say, people, you need to find another church, right? That was my first thing, like, bless you. But, but there's something about that space, right, that they kept them coming back. And I, and I think what, 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 what Paul does is he runs into this space, just like Paul does, and he says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. If I had another sermon hour, I'm out of time, shoot. Um, if I had another sermon hour, I'd give it to you, but I'm not going to. It's about what divides us, and Paul says, get rid of all the stuff that divides you, and live for the stuff that pulls you together. Whatever belongs to your earthly nature, immorality, impurity, lust, all those things that, that puts the other in a place of, of plasticness that keeps you separate. Instead, as God's chosen people, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You see, those fundamental lies, it is our job, church, to overcome them in one another. We are called to forgive, meaning it's not a matter of how much you've done. And we are called to love, which means you are valuable. That is the job of the church, is to be a voice against the lies that come at us all the time. So my challenge for you for this year, forgive that you can let others know that it's not about what they have done. It's about who they are. And love, which reminds them that who they are is exactly what God created them.